And now, live from Level 5 Productions on the island of Milleronia, it's The Larry Miller Show! Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, and everyone who loves a good anniversary. Hi, folks, and welcome back to The Larry Miller Show. I'm Larry Miller, but in a way, aren't we all? And I feel great today, and so does Colonel Jeff. It's a beautiful day here on Milleronia. Yes, yes, I've said it before, and you know I control the weather here, but I make it good. And I make it a little good, well, a little rainy every so often, too. But after all, when you have your own island and, well, you get to do just about everything you want. And I love good weather like this. Boy, oh, boy. Oh, there's something to tell you about Melaronia, too, in a a second. But uh, first of all, I want to thank, they make me feel so happy when they play that music, the Ben Basillo Orchestra and the Carla Lyons Dancers, featuring boy tenor Rocco Dolphy, asking the musical question... Growing up, going to a Catholic school, the nuns would always tell me to sit up straight and pay attention. Sitting up straight was easy, but do we know what it costs to pay attention, and who do we pay it to? Wow, it's a heck of a question, Rocco, and a good one. Yeah, what does it cost to pay attention, and who do we pay it to? Well, I think the main point here, pal, is that if... The nuns told you, I assume God is involved in some way, in a big way. So just pay it and forget the whole thing ever happened. Go back to your old church and drop a hundred bucks in the poor box. That should do it. And uh, that would do it for me anyway, I think. Good question, though. What does it cost to pay attention? Who do we pay it to? I think that's a good answer for you, Rocco. And when you get to heaven, I think God's going to give you a gold star for it. And I wanted to tell you there's something about Milleronia. Well, I love it here, and I love, well, here on Milleronia, all our citizens are big baseball fans, and they're getting ready for the baseball season. And, well, for a long time, I, since I'm a Yankee fan, I, I used to suggest that they all be Yankee fans, too. And... It was somewhere between suggest and insist that they were just all Yankee fans, too. They didn't have to be a big Yankee fan like me, but it was important to me that they were, well, Yankee fans. And the truth is that a lot of them didn't want to be Yankee fans. They wanted to be fans of other teams. And, well, I I, I understood that. I, I know that's part of being a baseball fan, that you can have another team and you, and you, want, you, want, you want to root for them. Instead, and not for the Yankees. So I tossed them all in the volcano. Not number two volcano, the one that's really, really, really bad. Well, they're both bad because you burn up in a very short time. But I took them to number one volcano, and I just checked with them again and said, so you're fans of, oh, this team or that team, but not the Yankees. And they said, yes, yes, I am. And I said, well... Here's what you get for it. And I tossed them in. But you know what, folks? As life goes on and time goes by 
and, well, we see more beautiful days, and I make more beautiful days, and it started seeming to me that I was being a little harsh about that. So I made a new rule here on Milleronia that anyone can root for any team he or she wants. That's just the way it is, and whether they, oh, whether they like the Texas Rangers or the Chicago Cubs or, well, the Philadelphia Phillies or the Boston Red Sox or anyone at all, they can root for that team and they have my support in doing it. Strange that no one has taken me up on that, though. They, which is, a, uh, I thought, a little odd. They, they, do they not trust me? Do they think I'm just going to, well, more or less set them up and, and sucker them into, well, rooting for another team out in the open because I threw everyone else in the volcano who did that? Well, yeah, I guess that's it. That's frankly, uh, I, I, I suppose they are. They're a little edgy or terrified that I'm just going to, now, you Tossed them in number two volcano. Well, the truth is, between us, entre nous, I am. I was going to throw them in the volcano, but that's, again, just between us. And uh, But they are big baseball fans, and, and we all are. For goodness sake, we have a great little league here, and uh, we have teams, by the way, that are named after professional teams. And uh, our Little League team, the Yankees, have won every year. Again, people think that's a coincidence because I'll run onto the field with a bat and club the ump into unconsciousness if too many of the calls go against the Yankees. Do you think that's another thing they'll all remember? Probably. Well, <laughs> I don't throw the ump in the volcano, but I will come this season I think, by the way, I think it's a shame we used to, people used to shout kind of, kind of mean things at umps, you know, that, hey, the ump is blind, you know, hey, the ump is drunk, hey, they, hey, shut up, ump, you don't know what you're doing. I think that was probably, people used to get tough, all kidding aside, with umpires. Good Lord, I mean, in the uh, 1800s, late, late 1800s, and then into the 20th century, whew, you didn't want to be an ump who was ruling too much against the home team, I guess. I say, well, that's strike three, you're out. Suddenly you hear from the stands, pew, 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 you know, <laughs> rifle shots, not even pistol shots. Oh, boy. And by Amazon, the greatest company in the world, and PayPal, another fabulous company. And by my book. And I love, I'll tell you, you know something? Amazon still does three things that no other company in the world does. One, that, well, whatever you want, you can get. Two, they have whatever you want. They already have it. They don't even have to make it or go out and buy it. They have a gigantic warehouse where, well, the Ark of the Covenant from the Indiana Jones movies is sitting, the one of those warehouses that's a mile long and a mile wide and just stacked to a very high roof with all sorts of things that are hidden in secret crates. Well, you know what, though? Amazon you just really does a, does a great job. And, and the number three, which is the best of all, they send a percentage of whatever you order here to us at the show. 
And Colonel Jeff and I take that money they send and we put it into a strong box and we save it for our next big fancy fried chicken dinner with two drinks beforehand at a different place. And we're saving for the next one. And yes, yes, we may, may, might invite Dr. Chris to come along with us again. May, might, that's not guaranteed. But boy, I'll tell you, we we like Amazon and we like PayPal the same way. And what you want to do is, for either of these things, for Amazon or PayPal, you can get them, go to them on your computer, or, you know, the best, don't do that. To me, that's the way you don't want to do it. Because what you want to do is go to our website, LarryMillerPodcast.com. Who's on the mountain? Tom Mix. <laughs> Boy, that that saxophone blat just gets me every time. <laughs> Sounds like a fourth grader learning to play it. In any case, though, uh, <laughs> go. We have a banner on our website: one for Amazon and one for PayPal. You click those, and we'll take you there. You go back to sleep or go lie down in your big lazy boy chair and push it way back, watch a ball game on TV, you know, a Yankee game. <laughs> but we'll get you there, and then you can order whatever you want. And PayPal, boy, I'll tell you, they make you feel like you're saving the world. It's a good feeling. And uh, if, by the way, if you enjoy my show, and why wouldn't you? And if you'd like to help us out a little here and uh, send a few bucks, and why wouldn't you? You know, do it through PayPal. Because, and I, I don't say things like, well, donate or pay what you like. I always like to say things like, buy us some drinks. That's right, because there are different levels of drinking, levels one through five, all the way up to... We're driving to Florida! <laughs> Boy, I love that guy more and more. Yes! <laughs> Look for the PayPal banner on our website, too. Remember, that's LarryMillerPodcast.com. Who's on the mountain? Tom Mix. <laughs> that was a good one. For some reason, that one really got to me. I think it's the same saxophone player, but a few years older. So his voice has changed. Boy, oh boy. Well, we uh, thank you, though, in advance, because whatever you send, every little bit, well, it helps us keep the old leg lamp lit. And thank you to everyone who's contributed already. It makes a difference to us, and thank you to everyone who's going to. And by me, my book. That's right. Hardcover, signed copies of my book, Spoiled Rotten America are now for sale at store.comedyfilmnerds.com. And you know what? Go and please order. It's uh, cheaper than you, know, you would have paid in the bookstores. It did very well. I'm very proud of the book. It's, well, it's funny and fun and sweet. You know, just like me. And <laughs> that, so, you know what, though? 
it's a it's a good comedy book and a good look at all of our lives. Please, uh, please do those things. Remember Amazon, remember PayPal, and remember my book. And that brings me to my favorite part of the show, the joke of the week. <laughs> I love that. The, uh, the joke of the week, I think this is a good one. And uh, it takes place in a zoo. And the zookeeper is noticing that over the years, as the years go by, the gigantic female gorilla is getting, well, a little sour and a little depressed, a little angry and just, you know, she's getting a little, she almost a couple of times swiped him when he came by to feed her. And he notices, though, it's it's getting worse and worse over the years. And he has no idea what it is. And he asks, well, he has a couple of his friends who are other zookeepers, and they say, oh, well, the, tr- the truth is this one's kind of simple, really. It's just that you've had her for, what, eight years now, and she hasn't been with a male gorilla, and she hasn't, well, fallen in love, and she hasn't, well, made love, and that's really what she's missing in her life. And uh, they all agreed, yeah, that seems to be what uh, what's making her so cranky. And the guy says, well, that's, gee, that's a terrific idea. You know, do uh, any of you guys have a male gorilla you'd, uh, you know, you could lend me? Would you mind, you know, just not forever, but just spend a week so they I could put, put them both together? They said, you know, Bob, gee, we would. But, you know, uh, they all said uh, they didn't have male gorillas and they didn't know what to tell him. And he said, well, all right, if you hear about anything. And then he goes off and he looks on his own. And he calls every directory of zoos in the United States and then everyone in Canada and then everyone all over the world, every zoo, he can't get a male gorilla for them to to send him. He can't buy one. He can't get one. He can't catch one. And he sees the custodian of the zoo walking by. And they've known each other for a long time, for years too. And he says to the custodian, he says, hey, come here a sec. And they, he looks around to make sure they're not being seen. And uh, he, he goes into the guy's office there where he keeps all, all the brooms and things. And he says to him, look, this is going to sound a little strange to you. But would you mind if I borrowed you for just two weeks to make love to the female gorilla for $500. Is is that is that possible? And the zookeeper looks at him for a second and says, uh, you know what? It is. It is possible. I'd be glad to help. And uh, I have three conditions, though, if you don't mind. Uh, number one, I don't want to kiss her. And the zookeeper says, but you, you know what? I understand. Believe me. I, you, you got me. I don't think I would either. And uh, the custodian says, number two, I don't want anyone to find out. I insist you keep this to yourself. And and again, the, you know, the zookeeper says, I, I understand that too. Believe me, I, 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 I'm with you. And just yes to both of them. And then the custodian says, number three, I'm going to need at least two weeks to come up with the $500. <laughs> that's a pretty good one isn't it the colonel and i both liked that one <laughs> he he just didn't understand or maybe you know what 
maybe he understood just too well. So I hope you like that one as always. There's nothing better than a good joke. And I hope you like that one and feel like passing it on to your friends and loved ones. Not the little ones, but just your friends and loved ones. And that brings me to my second favorite part of the show, The Poetry Corner. The conductor of that quartet needs to have that cough looked into. Yes, the poetry corner. There's nothing better than a good joke and nothing better than a good poem, too. It really makes us think and makes us grow. If the poet, And this one is from, uh, what well, kind of a favorite here, James Whitcomb Riley. And I've read his work before here. And uh, he's an American poet from the 19th century, lived 1849 to 1916. He was known as the Hoosier poet. And uh, when, well, when different states really still had uh, differences about them. And uh, he wrote a lot of poems in the Hoosier dialect. That's Indiana, by the way. And he wrote a lot for children. And one of his most popular, shows you this interesting fella, one of his most popular poems was called Little Orphant Annie. Now, you've heard of that. He has a T at the end of that word, orphan. But, of course, little orphant Annie led right to the cartoon. And the Raggedy Man is another one of his, which was the inspiration for the Raggedy Ann dolls. So uh, James Whitcomb Riley writes some really good things, and I think this is one of them. It's called A Barefoot Boy. A barefoot boy, I mark him at his play. For May is here once more, and so is he. His dusty trousers rolled half to the knee, and his bare ankles grimy, too, as they cross hatchings of the nettle in a ray of feverish stripes. Hint vividly to me of woody pathways winding endlessly along the creek where even yesterday he plunged his shrinking body, gasped and shook, yet called the water warm with never lack of joy. And so, half enviously, I look upon this graceless barefoot and his track, his toe stubbed I, his big toenail knocked back, like unto the clasp of an old pocketbook. Well, isn't that nice? Not for the little boy with the with the broken toenail. By the way, when I first read that, I thought, yikes. But that's, listen, it's in the 19th century, and uh, they didn't have video games. <laughs> Once my kids love called... Kill everyone. That's their favorite. At any rate, though, you know what? That's a lovely poem. A Barefoot Boy by James Whitcomb Riley. And that brings me to my third favorite part of the show. Triple M. M-M-M. The Magic Movie Moment. Boy, 
It's those sax players and that piano player. They love that big bass. Bah. Da, 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 da. Bah. It's great music, though. It just makes me smile and want to have fun with it. Triple M today. It's a wonderful movie from a wonderful book. Emily Bronte's Wuthering Heights. Boy, what a family the Brontes were. You didn't want to write something bad. If you sent a letter and it wasn't well written, that would be the end. You'd spend you'd spend a couple of months in the root cellar. But a great family of great authors, and Emily Bronte was oh, one of them. Wuthering Heights, and this movie is from 1939, a great movie, directed by William Wyler, starring, what about this cast, Laurence Olivier, Merle Oberon, David Niven, Geraldine Fitzgerald, Flora Robeson, Donald Crisp, Leo G. Carroll, oh, the great Leo G. Carroll, they're all wonderful. And if you can't put a, f- a face yet with Flora Robeson and Donald Crisp, whoa, as soon as you see them, you'll recognize them in- instantly from so many movies. And this movie is about, in, in many ways, what Wuthering Heights is about, true love. And that's a phrase we, well, we hear every so often. Oh, a story about love, a love story, true love. But when you see this movie, you'll understand a little more and then a lot more about what true love really means for Heathcliff and Kathy Earnshaw. That's Laurence Olivier and Merle Oberon. And Edward and Isabella Linton, their brother and sister, David Niven and Geraldine Fitzgerald. And, well, Laurence Olivier and Merle Oberon understand and feel true love in this movie and what they do to pursue it, what they do to leave it behind, what they do to throw it away, what they do to to run grasping after it again. It's a beautiful movie in so many ways. And, well, their love story comes to Kathy's death scene in her bed. She married David Niven. She married into the Linton family because they were so wealthy but it's all a misunderstanding. They speak to each other in a way almost for the first time. Lawrence Olivier, Heathcliff, hears about her dying and runs to the house there to be with her. Uh, her husband, Edward, went out to look for Heather because that would make her feel better, she said. So she's alone in her bed, and she's dying, and Heathcliff comes in the room, rushing to her side, He tells her, and she tells him. It's a beautiful scene, and what acting. You you should see the movie just to see that scene of these two great actors acting together like this. And you know something, folks? And at the end of the scene, he lifts her. He takes her out of the bed and holds her in his arms and takes her to the window and opens the window so so she can see one more time. She can see out, well, onto the moors, onto the plains. This part of England wasn't one of the more beautiful parts, but they loved it very much, and especially looking up to where far away, Peniston Crag, where they used to go as children and pretend they were a king and a queen ruling over their kingdom. Folks, what he says... 
and the promises he makes and the orders he gives about her not going away, not going, not going to heaven yet, not when she dies, that to wait for him to go with her. And oh, what a what a movie! What an ending! And it's not it's not over yet, right there. But the truth is, folks, I was thinking for you, for all of you, for me and Colonel Jeff, may we all find love like that in our lives. And it's a real lesson. What is love? See Wuthering Heights. What is real desire and obsession? See Wuthering Heights. And remember, yes, may we all find love like that. That's something that's eternal. And we can really, well, hope for that and pray for it and look for it. But I I must tell you, there are things we have in our everyday lives that I don't want, that I, one of them is I've had it with nature-loving screensavers on my laptop, on your laptop, on everyone. I don't know when we went crazy with nature-loving screensavers. I remember when they first came out for a short while, like 10 minutes, I said, okay, what a good idea. You know what? Because you, you know how these things are. They'll show you, well, there's a river and there are trees on the side. Or there's a little stream in the woods, and it's in the middle of a forest. And Or there's clouds covering a hilltop. You know what? Or they go and they magnify a drop of water. I've had it. I They don't mean anything to me, and, I, and I've had it with them. I don't want anything to do with them. Let's have something else. And you know what? I think let, let's go back to, well, very pretty cowgirls sitting on a fence post. And maybe that sounds like a bit much to you. It sounds good to me, but I just mean old, what they used to call girly pictures. It doesn't mean that they're naked, but if they are, so be it. But I'm just saying when they used to have really beautiful young women and they were dressed as cowgirls and they would be, and Miss March, well, just might have been, oh, I remember one my Uncle Harry showed me and it was just fantastic and had a little plastic and you could lift it up. And then she was naked. Yeah, you know, but they they knew their market. But and then you could see underneath the ad for the plumber, who really had these made. <laughs> and my uncle Harry and my grandfather were plumbers too. Come to think of it, but I've had it with nature-loving screensavers. You know what? I I I've had it for things that used to be great, and really aren't anymore because they changed the picture. You know, this is just it just ended the sale of Girl Scout cookies for the year. And I always look forward to that. I mean, who doesn't buy Girl Scout cookies for crying out loud? I mean, they in the supermarket, in the, in the Ralph's markets here where we are, and they'll be, well, at the bottom of the escalator in the lobby there, and they have a little table, and there will be two or three Girl Scouts there, and their mothers are right behind them because the mothers, well, have to take them over, and these girls are... 9, 10, or 11 years old, and they're wearing their Girl Scout uniforms. This is good. This is all good. That The green with the light brown blouse or whatever the colors are and the and the sash with the, the medals on it, and these girls all have, well, the missing tooth and the freckles. They're just adorable, and they have the whole table that they've set up with Girl Scout cookies, except now, for crying out loud, folks, I you know, uh, they've changed... 
the pictures on the Girl Scout cookies. Now, and why did they change it? It was perfect. And now, instead of, well, showing a girl like the ones behind the table, you know, with the, wearing the uniform with the sash, with the badges, and she's smiling with the tooth missing, that's what you want to see, a Girl Scout. Now, for some reason, they felt obliged to create, well, a, sort of a club or within the Girl Scout. It's not like the Eagle Scout equivalent with Boy Scouts, but now and their their theme is, whoa, boy, wait till you see. You'll be amazed at what girls can do. And that's their big model. No, I won't, okay? I don't need to know what girls can do. It doesn't help me buy the cookies. It doesn't help me like them, all right? If they're polite and they smile and they say, hi, mister, you want to buy some cookies? Come on, that's plenty, and I hope it's plenty for you, too. And I'll be honest, I bought so many cookies this time. Well, three, four different trips, because I'm always at the Ralph's anyway. And you can't just say once or twice you try saying, oh, I already bought some last weekend, because they're out there for about a month, I think. And, you know, I, after a while, they just, you know, they look a little sad, or they just kind of detach from you right there. So the truth is, every time I saw them, it was a different group of girls, and I'd say uh, sometimes it was 7 in the morning. Or some six in the morning. In fact, I did it this morning too. When I, before everyone else wakes up, I'll get up and run over there and uh, maybe we need some milk or eggs or something like that or bagels or butter. And, you know, I was there. Sure they are. There was uh, two of them there this morning. And you know what? I walked over and the mother just shouted out, Hey, hey, mister, you know, come on, want to buy some cookies? And the mother was smiling. And by the way, that's frankly a good part of the Girl Scouts. I won't lie that at a certain hour of the day, the mothers of the Girl Scouts look terrific. And that's all I'm going to say. No, it's not. <laughs> they look really terrific. But I mean really, really good. They look, they're all, well, 38 or so, and look fantastic. And uh, so I like to see them too. But so the, the mother in this case said, hey, come on, I'll buy some cookies. So I, I walked over with the, the cart, still filled with the things I got from my family before waking them up today. And I said, well, you know what? I'll be glad to. And then I smiled and put my hands on my waist and just said, looked at the girls and just said, if they'll ask me, if they'll ask me nicely and be happy about it. You know, talking to young kids. So uh, then the mother says, okay, girls, go ahead and ask Ask the nice man if he wants to buy some cookies. Nothing. They say nothing. They don't look. They don't look at you. They don't say anything. They they stand there. They you know they're sick and tired of you coming over to the table. So the mother, and that gets a little annoying. Frankly, you want to you want to say, really? They can't ask you know uh, nicely. They don't have any manners. And the mother said again, now, now girls, remember, come on, be nice and smile. And ask the nice man if he wants to buy some cookies. Nothing again. And the, then they, she finally, she prods them again a third time. Come on, come on. Now be nice. Ask, ask, ask him if he wants to buy cookies. And now they just mutter it, mumble it. They They don't even look at you. They don't smile. They don't do anything. And the mother said to me, well, you know, they had to get up kind of early today, and, uh, you know, I was an inch away from saying, well, so did I, fatso. You know what? <laughs> Let's, we all got up early. 
What does that mean? Send the cute Girl Scouts out and, well, everyone, and send their really good-looking mothers out with them. And guys like me will come by and say, well, hello. Hello to all of you. And I'll buy cookies. As it was, I bought seven or eight boxes anyway, you know, over three trips or so, just because you still got to say, all right, give me one of those. My uh, older son was uh, back, the one, the Marine, he came up from base last week to celebrate, uh, well, you know, my uh, my uh, kids, his brother's birthday, and the day after that is my wife's and my wedding anniversary, just a couple of days ago. But before I tell you about that, and there's something to tell you about that, why don't we bless each other's sneezes anymore? That's been bothering me. I mean, I think that was always a polite thing to do. If you sneeze, someone, even a stranger, would say, Oh, God bless you. Gesundheit. Something like that. And then you say, Oh, thank you. That's an, a nice contact we have. But I don't think people do that anymore. I haven't noticed anyone, whether it's kids or adults. Yeah, every so often someone says, God bless you, but it's me. Yeah, and then the, Colonel Jeff just raised his hand. Yeah, that's one of the reasons we get along well. We like we we like being well polite with people. And you know, blessing sneezes. By the way, did you know it started at the Black Plague? That's the truth. Now, because uh, the colonel thought that he said he read an article where uh, saying Gesundheit or God bless you came was German and that it was said because the Germans felt uh, in the first part of the 20th century, that when you sneezed, uh, part of your soul came out with it. You sneezed out part of your soul, and that attracted the devil, because now you're a little weaker. So that's why you needed someone to say, oh, God bless you. And uh, I I didn't, that turns out, it's very interesting to hear. And, by the way, perfect for Germany. I mean, you know, they... Say, how did the rest of the 20th century go for them? But, you know, that's not actually... It came, it came from the Black Plague. And what I mean by that is, and this is the truth, that, you know, when you got the plague, God forbid, in the 14th century, and starting around, well, the middle of the 14th century, so many people got it and died. And when you got it, the first sign that you had it was sneezing. And when someone sneezed in public, anywhere at all, that meant he was going to get it. And it worked quickly, too. That meant that an hour or a day later, you were gone. So when someone heard a sneeze, it became common practice to say, God bless you, and to just turn and walk away because the person was sick. So that's where it started. God bless you. Gesundheit, which means health in German. And uh, so, you know what? I think that's nice. I think we, we all ought to do that. And by the way, <laughs> the colonel found on the Internet, there was a, a rabbi in Poland who lived from 1815 to 1878 and his name, his real name, was Yaakov Gesundheit. And that was his name. 
And at that point, that's when I thought, well, you might as well become a rabbi then because the number of fistfights he's going to have on the way to school with a name like Gesundheit. And, uh, but, oh, and by the way, in the language of Rithargu, which is an Australian Aboriginal language, when you sneeze, they say, Klas Bing Guru One. They say it better than that, I'm sure, but Klas Bing Guru Run, which means you have released nose water. Do the English still have our land? No, that's I just put that on there, but it really means you have released nose water. And in Tagalog or Tagalog, the language of the Philippines, they say Nalagoa which means, hey, I took a bath. It really does, actually. It's, is that all you can say? Hey, I took a bath. Meaning from what you just sent out of your nose. Ah, what a country. But you know what? Let's just all go back to God bless you. Let's have everyone say God bless you. I, I think that's a nice thing to pass along, isn't it? We, and we all need a blessing anyway, don't we? Now, I mentioned, by the way, I just mentioned that my wife's and my anniversary was two days ago. And we had a very nice anniversary. We had a good one. And that's something to concentrate on. If you're married, well, more than five or ten years, and in our, our case, it's 23 years. And you know what? If you have a really nice one, it's meaningful. And it's you, you're glad that you don't just forget it. You're glad that you both make the effort to be together, to get together, to do things together. And by the way, our anniversary is also my parents' and grandparents' anniversary. I don't know if any of you have that in your families, but that's three generations we have of wedding anniversaries on the same day. So I get to look up and say, Mom and Dad and Grandma and Grandpa, and uh, you know what, happy anniversary to you too. And, well, my wife and I went, first of all, I got her uh, an Apple Watch. I don't know if you know those, but it was, well, an Apple Watch that was recommended to me by a friend. And I said, well, that sounds good. He said, yeah, I think she's really going to like it. And you know what? She did. She loved it. I went to Best Buy, a store here. I'm not a, these people aren't sponsors of ours, by the way, but I'm just saying they had a display set up and there was a nice young woman and a nice man and they, they helped me through it. But my wife kind of flipped out. She said, wow, this is great. And she really liked it. She wore it to work today. So she wears it. And by the way, the Apple Watch is associated with your iPhone. If you have one of those, everything you get on the phone comes through on the watch. It'll tell you on the watch, oh, you have a message on the phone. Plus, you can do all sorts of things. And at any rate, I'm glad. She really, really liked it. And uh, we went to a dinner at a place called Bellwether here uh, in the valley. And you know what, by the way? I'm just saying that again, too, because they, they're not a sponsor of us, but they had such a good time there. She wanted to go back again because 
When I was at the Pantages Theater doing two shows, oh, this is a couple of months ago, and uh, my older son, the Marine, came up from his base to go to the show, and with his younger brother, my wife brought them both, and our friends Michael and Janice and her friend Susie, and my older son was dressed in his dress blues, the Marine uniform, which is the, well the more formal uniform. You've all seen them. But folks, I'll tell you, you know, their service uniforms are great for the people, the men and women in, in the various branches of our services. But I'll tell you what, maybe I'm a little biased because one of my kids is a Marine, but that blue uniform, that dress blue, is a heck of a thing. They look pretty great in it. I mean, my kid is six feet, six one and in great shape, and slender, but muscular, and, and tough, and handsome. And uh, he when he walked in, when they came into the dressing room, in between shows, they all saw the first show. Well, I was glad to see them anyway, but it really, well, brought a tear to my eye to look at him in that uniform and say, by God, look at you. And the point is, when they all went, I couldn't go because I had another show, but they all went to get a bite of dinner. At this place, Bellwether, and I'm bringing it up because several uh, times during their dinner, someone walked up to them from another part of the restaurant and up to my son in his uniform. And they said the nicest things. It made me so happy to hear it. They would say, they all said the same thing they all looked and said sorry to bother you folks and interrupt but and then they'd look at my son and say i just want to thank you for being a marine and for taking care of us and god bless you and it was the nicest thing and then they all bought something for the table they all bought they all said can i get you something and they all bought an appetizer for the table or a round of drinks, and my son is, isn't old enough to drink yet. He's 20, so he's never had a drink. And if you believe that, no, but it's, it's true, though. And so, you know what? I was so glad to hear it. Several times, my wife told me, three or four times, people would come up and say the nicest things, and I thought, you know what? Our area is greater than I thought. We do that, too, on Milleronia here. But that's also because, well, we have very patriotic citizens, and they do know that if they don't come up to someone and say that in the service, well, they'll be walking up a big hill, and it'll be a mountain with a giant hole in it, and very, very hot. But you know what? It meant the world to me. And I was glad when my wife suggested for our anniversary, why don't we have dinner at Bellwether? And uh, we did. And we had a very nice dinner. They make a terrific meal there. And I kept looking. She, I said, where was the table you were sitting when when, when he was in his, his dress blues and everyone came up to him? And she pointed it out and I kept looking at it. And there was... A couple there with their baby. It was at the back of the restaurant, and I 
It just made me smile. Here it is, our anniversary, and there's another generation coming. And you know what? My generation has Marines. And so, you know what? I I wonder how many generations of young men and women, I, I always wondered, got married on their parents' anniversary too. Is there a record for that? Is there a Guinness Book of Records of, because we have three generations, and yes, my kids know about it. I've mentioned it to them more than a few times and because uh, I think it's great. And yes, I'd be very happy if, well, one day they do the same thing. They meet, meet a nice girl, fall in love, and they decide to get married on our anniversary and make it four generations in a row. And then their kids too, five generations. So if there's a record out there, please let us know and then we'll all know together. We already know things together, as you know, that Homer is Homer and Pluto is a planet. So remember, folks, as always, if you walked out of bed today and had a job to go to and a home to come back to and someone there who cares about you, folks, the game's over and you've won. And that's still the truest thing I know. Be well and we'll see you here next time.